Good morning and welcome to Bethany Baptist Church. And doesn't that just remind you how God can use all of us to speak to our hearts? It's not dependent on age or on degrees or on even experience, but God uses each one of us. And that's a challenge for you. How does God want to use you in the life of other people? And uh, we are now in a series where we're taking a look at our culture and think of how do we live our faith out in our culture. It's different now than it was 2,000 years ago. It's different now than it was 1,000 years ago. It's different now than it was even a few years ago. How do we live out our faith, engage the culture that we are in now, and how do we be Christ's light in our community. And that's an important thing for us to wrestle through. So this morning we're going to take a look at the media, where we get our news from, and what journalism does in our life. And words can shape opinions. They can begin movements. They influence governments, even uh, depose Uh, dictators, even celebrities can be drawn down by the media. It can draw our attention to the evils of this world and to worthy causes. It can enlist us into things. In fact, the power of the media has always been seen as something much more powerful than an army. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 tells us this, that words have the power of life and death. That's very true in the media, but it's also true in our lives. The words that we say, the words that we hear, have the power to either give us life and encouragement, or they can draw us down or lead us down a dark path. That's the power of the words. There's that saying, nobody knows exactly how far back it goes, but The pen is mightier than the sword. It's because of the power of words. And when people start embracing words and engaging with them, it begins working in our minds. And God's Spirit can use words in our life. So I want to do a little little survey here. (coughs) Excuse me. A little survey. Where do you get your news from these days? Uh, stick up your hands on, the, on these questions. Those of you who get your news from newspapers or magazines, the hard copy. How many here read? Okay, a number do. How about from TV news programs? Okay, a lot of people there. How about the radio? Okay, some of you are putting up hand multiple times. That's okay. How about online? Oh, quite a number of you are getting your news online. And how about social media? Through, yeah, there's, there's some of us who do. We get our news from a lot of different sources. And chances are uh, you get your news and your information from a lot of different sources. But the question does come up to, to us as in what? is news? How do we even describe news? If you look it up in a dictionary, 
chances are you're going to get an answer something like this, that it's information about recent events. That's technically what news is. I like the definition that Arthur McEwen gives, who is a newspaper editor uh, back 100 to 150 years ago already, and he says, news is anything that makes the reader go, gee whiz. In fact, that gives us a good picture today of what news is. Anything that gets your attention is news. When one of the one of the major newspapers now, but one of the major newspapers in the Boston area, when it first started up, started up as a weekly newspaper almost 200 years ago because they weren't sure if they would have enough news to fill a paper more than once a week. And somehow we've migrated from that so that now we have 24-hour news channels. We've got the social media that's a buzz all the time. If you look online, there's always something happening. There's always news. And because of what it is, it must grab your attention. News has become a big business. It sells. It sells because it gets our attention. And it gets our, our attention by being outrageous, by being shocking by being unusual, and it must draw your attention. And it must say, look here, look here. Not over there, look here. And if a news article doesn't do that, it gets scrapped. And it makes you wonder, is this really news? Or is it something else altogether? And that's something that we wrestle with. And so we come up with this one big question. Is the media biased? Huh. Is the media biased? And of course, the answer to that is, obviously, definitely it is. It's biased. It's slanted. It, it's not just facts. It's not just details. But it's presented within a context. So if a dozen people show up for a protest of a pipeline, it can be reported either that there's little fight left in the, in the environmental lobby, because there's only a few people, or it can be presented a brave few fight for the environment still. <laughs> it's all about the perspective. It's all about the bias of those reporting. It's all about how it's interpreted. You know, when I was a kid, I remember we were playing ball. And I hit the ball, and it broke a window. Oh, my goodness. It broke the window of a house of an elderly lady who lived there. Now, you could write a byline like this. Unruly kids willfully damage property of a widow of a veteran. How outrageous that is, those rotten kids. Or it could be worded this way. There's no safe places left for our children to be children. Depending on the slant, depending on the perspective, how it's read. 
Of course, media has a bias. It must have a bias. In fact, it's impossible to not have a bias. Just as you and I, it's impossible for us not to have a bias. To take a complicated situation and put it into a 30-second bite, they must cut corners. They must hit the highlights. They must just give it to you as concisely and quickly as possible. And you need to realize that it has been shaped before you get it. It's biased sometimes against groups or against people's ideologies and it's important to recognize that some of it is just plain bias. And for us to recognize, to train ourselves to recognize the bias, to train our children to recognize biases, so that we can absorb what needs to be absorbed and understand what we need to understand. Let's take a look at a picture here. Some of you recognize this picture. How many of you recognize it? Yes, if you're at my age or older, you recognize it, of course. What does this picture say about this person? What does it say? If you look, yeah, he's old. He's awkward, right? He's got butterfingers. He's embarrassing. That's what the picture says, right? You know, in 1974, the progressive conservatives were mounting a, an attack to try to unseat Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And during the election, Robert Stanfield, who was the head of the conservative party, he was on a cross-country tour on the plane, starting in Halifax and going all the way to Vancouver. They stopped in Thunder Bay and uh, for a little stretch of the legs and meet the media and things like that. And Robert Stanfield is actually quite an athlete. And they got out and they started throwing the ball around and stretching and having a little fun between the politicians and the news media, just having a little bit of fun. And uh, one of the media people started shooting and they shot a whole roll of film. For those of you who don't know what a roll of film is, you'll have to Google that and figure that out, okay? So he shot a whole roll of film. And the pictures were of Robert Stanfield catching the ball, stretching out, throwing the He's a good athlete. And he sent this roll of film off to his editor. And this is the picture that they picked to put on the front page of the newspaper. And it said that this is the picture that lost the election for the Progressive Conservative Party. The power of the media. Because certain things are sculpted and chosen. Sometimes intentionally, but sometimes just because that's an awesome shot. That's the kind of picture that makes everybody cringe. So let's use it, regardless of the impact it has. That's the power of media. Let's take a look at another picture. Some of you saw this picture this week, right? And if you take a look at this picture, the first thing that stands out to you is you take a look at these young hooligans. Look at that smirk, that mockery on that boy's face. Look at the people in the background and how they are mocking 
this indigenous elder who is a veteran. And when this picture came out and when the story broke last week, people were falling all over themselves to condemn these young boys. And they were posting online and in the social media accounts, celebrities and politicians were speaking about how could this happen here in North America? Such disrespect, such wrong with our children. Where do we fail them? Those boys need to be corrected, punished. In fact, all kinds of things went out and they even received death threats from people who were so outraged. And this was all on mainstream media. The media that we're supposed to trust. Ironically, a few days later, on social media, the media that we are always told not to trust, came videos that showed the whole situation and painted a picture that was completely opposite from what was reported. It's interesting, as we take a look at the media, it becomes more and more difficult to understand what is really taking place in our world. And, and, and you realize that how much it's important for us to hear more than one side of the story. And, and when we take a look at what does the believer do with media and how do we interpret it, you know, it's hard in the New Testament to find a good chapter and verse to tell us what to do. But in some ways, we go back to the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And the wisdom literature starts with Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and goes through that section where it talks about wisdom and perspective and how the Spirit of the Lord gives us wisdom. We're going to be reading that coming starting in another month or so as, as we do our readings throughout the, the scriptures. This is our last section, and we're going to be taking a look at the wisdom literature. But I love this verse also from Proverbs 18 that says this. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Some of your uh, Bibles will say it's in a lawsuit the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward to cross-examine. That the story seems like, well, it seems like I got all the information. I heard it. It must be true. But then it says until someone else brings another point of view, then you realize, oh, maybe what I heard is not accurate. Basically what this is saying is Make sure you listen to all sides of the story before you decide what or who to believe. Because there are so many messages out there. There are so many things that tell us what to think and what to feel that it's important for us to slow down and listen to more than one side, which is very similar to our own spiritual lives. Because you have messages going on in your head right now. Some of those messages you learned when you were very young. 
Or sometimes you've learned messages through some very hard times that tell you about who you are, what you're worth, whether God loves you, whether you're a worthy person or not. And those are all message that, messages that seem accurate, but you need another perspective. You need to hear God's perspective of what he thinks of you. See, this is not something new. We are always battling with messages, and we need to be cautious but that we don't just grab the first message and say, that must be true. I've made the mistake numerous times of embracing the first version of a story and then passing it on and then later embarrassingly realizing, oh my goodness, I was so wrong about that. And what that does to friendships, what that does to family relationships, what that does to people within the church, and how we can destroy so much. Proverbs 13 tells us, those who speak rashly in a hurry come to ruin. And you can ruin so much when you start talking about things when you only have part of the story. Part of the story is that we are sinners. Part of the story is that we are fallen away from God that we wrestle with all kinds of things. We wrestle with temptations. We all have dark sides. That's part of the story. Fortunately, there's another part. That Jesus' desire was to give his life so that you could turn to God and have him start changing you so that there is another part of the story, that there is another nature at work within us. And this is the kind of thing that we see lived out in our society day after day after day, that we need another side of the story. James says in chapter 1, everyone, and I want you to join in here, everyone should be quick to... Okay, let's try that one again. Everyone should be quick to... Slow to... And slow to become... Let's try that one again because this is an important verse for us today. Everyone should be quick to Listen. slow to Jeez. and slow to become yes. How we need to listen a little more rather than just react when we hear something. Rather than going online and posting my opinion about some outrageous thing that happened somewhere, how I need to listen, to absorb, and let God shape me. You know, Jesus and his disciples were one time around, and Jesus' opposers, we're complaining, why don't your disciples ceremonially wash their hands before they eat? Thinking that when you eat with defiled hands, you defile your soul. 
Jesus' words in return were this. What goes into a person's body does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. (laughs) Or in other words, it's the things you say. It's the things you speak. It's the things we type or click on. It's the things we write. It's the gossip that we spread, which is unchecked and uncontrolled. Those things defile our souls. Because it starts reaching down into a dark part of our heart and bringing something up. It starts defiling us, changing the way we relate to each other. See, what we do with media has so much to do with how it affects our soul that when you send off an angry uh, post or you react to something and say something brutal, what it does to you is far darker than what it does to anyone else. Which is why we need to slow it down. To listen. More points of view. More advisors. Psalms, uh, Proverbs again tells us that in the multiple ad, uh, multiplicity of advisors there is safety. How important it is to listen to those with perspective. And here's the thing is perspective is so important. And perspective is shaped by experience and by character. Think about that for a moment. Whose perspective do you want? And why it's so important, and and Solomon would tell us, to look for those who are wise. And may our ears be attentive to their words of counsel. How important it is for people with experience to speak into our lives. They could be older people, or they could be people with just lots of experience but a person with good character because that shapes that perspective. You know the story in the Old Testament when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, came to the throne and he looked for advisors. See, some people were exclaiming that Solomon, he had a fabulously wealthy kingdom, but the burden of the taxes was so heavy and they appealed to Rehoboam, please lighten the taxes a bit. Give us a break, and we'll serve you with our whole heart, but we need some help. Those with experience gave Rehoboam good advice to listen to them in this occasion, and they will serve you. They will be your loyal subjects. But those without experience said completely the opposite, to make their burden worse. And Rehoboam's response on that line separated the kingdom, tore it apart because he wasn't looking for good perspective. See, when we talk about media, when we talk about news, when we talk about journalism, we used to talk in terms of it that we were consumers of media. Where do you get your news from, right? We, we think about it as that I'm the consumer, the media is out there somewhere, 
and I consume it. I take it in. But here's the truth. It's becoming more and more true right now is that we don't just consume media. We disseminate it. Every one of you with a Facebook account or a social media account, you're part of the media chain. You're part of the media. Every time I say, did you hear what Pastor Steph said? <gasps> we are part of that chain. Every time we spread a little bit of gossip about somebody, did you hear what they did? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. We become part of that chain. And so that expectation that we have for the media to be honest, to be as objective as possible, to be truthful, those are expectations we need to place on our own selves, both in the way we talk with others, by the things we post, by the things we spread. Those are so important for us because otherwise it begins polluting our soul. Because words are so important. How ironic it is that John the Apostle, when he started talking of Jesus, he said this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14 he says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. The words are so important, and God presents his Son as the Word, the message. He's that communication from God to us. He's God's media. <laughs> Not only did he bring a message of God's grace and truth, but he was the message of God's truth. Not only does God inspire you with his good news, his media, God stirs in your heart so that you can embrace the truth is that I can have Christ alive inside of me. He can change me from all those dark things. He can change me. Not only that, but I carry that message and I become the media of that. <laughs> Marshall McLuhan at one time coined that phrase that the media is the message because there's that connection between the two. And in our lives, it's even more true because the message of Christ, not only do we carry it in on our lips and in our actions, but it lives through us. And in that way, we are part of that chain of media in so many ways. Jesus is God's media, his good message, his good word. Hmm. You know, the message that's referred to as the gospel. I love this verse of how God works in our lives from Psalm 112. That the righteous or the people who follow him will have no fear of bad news because their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. That regardless of what takes place in our world, 
We can trust God. Now, there's some of you who get scared to death when you watch end times programming. And they tell you to buy buckets of food. And they tell you to build a bunker where you will be safe during the end times. Using fear to influence you rather than trusting in God's keeping power. Friends, I want to tell you this. Whatever the future holds, whatever happens here in Canada, whatever happens between our relationship with China or with the U.S. or with the world in general, we can trust that we're in God's hands. You can trust that if you know him, you can trust him with your life. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to just cut you loose. You're not going to have to fear of what tomorrow might bring. But you can trust him. That in all of our brokenness, in all of our darkness, in all the things that we struggle with, we can know that God has me in his hands. And that's something to remember. So there's a few things I want you to be aware of. We talk about awareness. We talk about what goes on in our own life. This is what I've become aware of so much. That we are all prone to read situations with bias. You're prone to it. I'm prone to it. All of us are. Our media are prone to it. Every single human is prone to interpret situations through a predetermined bias. We all do it. So I encourage you to train your minds to recognize bias by the kinds of words that are used, but recognize it coming out of your own mouth. Recognize it by the things you click on and the things you post. Where is my bias and is this honest? Another thing to be aware of, we are often eager to listen to and to repeat things which are destructive. Part of our nature, unfortunately, is to be like this, to be destructive. And so we are drawn to things that are sensational. We are drawn to things that are dark. You know, last week, um, in, in our children's ministry, you don't know it because you're here doing adult stuff, which I'm sure is way more fun than kid stuff, right? <laughs> they did this little experiment where they mixed a few chemicals together and made elephant toothpaste. And they put it in this bottle and the stuff is just coming out, coming out, coming out. And the thing is, talking about how that's like our words, you can't put all that stuff back in. And the destructive power of our words, unfortunately, we're prone to. And not only is it destructive to others, but destructive to us. We're aware that this is what we are like as humans, but we're also aware of this, that we need Jesus to transform every part of our lives. And he wants to do that for you. He wants to transform your life. And so as you wrestle with the darkness that's there in your own biases, that's the place where you can say, Lord, I need you to save me here. 
I need you to change me. In fact, for some of us who've never even put our faith in Christ, when you start seeing your own biases and your own approach to media, maybe it signals to you, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Because on my own, I will self-destruct. And this is where Jesus changes me. See, he changes us. Where there is fear and anxiety. And when you read media, you can be scared. When you see all the wars, all the unrest, all the political struggles, you can have a great deal of fear and anxiety about the future. But he can give us courage to face the the future. Sometimes when I read it, I find I have cynicism creeping into my heart. Oh, yeah, everybody's just lying again. You know, none of it's true. But with cynicism can be replaced with hope. That I have hope for the future. That it's not everything is just evil and bad, but maybe there's more to it. And when I trust Christ, he can be at work in amazing ways. And even though this world has a lot of bad things about it, it's true. When Christ's at work in my heart, he can protect me from the kind of cynicism that comes with it. He changes me in the area of being reactive. Instead of when I hear something that I think is wrong, instead of just blowing up or responding quickly and usually unwisely, he can develop within me self-control. And this is an important thing. One of the fruit of the Spirit comes out to be self-control. That I can actually control what comes out of my mouth. What what comes out of my fingers. What comes out of my clicks. That self-control where I can say, is this wise to say? Is this helpful? Or will this destroy others and will it pollute my soul? Jesus can change me in areas of bias. And we all have biases. Maybe they're biases about different political parties. Or they're biases against peoples or cultures or politicians or whatever. But he can replace that with objectivity where I can listen, where I can hear. And I can also use it as a place of growth. And where he changes me is that he can bring life through words. That even though my proneness is to use words destructively, to give vent to my frustrations and the things I think are wrong with this world, even though I'm prone to divide brothers and sisters because I have an opinion about something, that he can change my words so that they can be constructive. That they can help lead others towards something positive and not just point out what is wrong. See, what happens in the media is a microcosm of what happens within our own soul. The things that attract us, the things that we are prone to, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus 
into your life so that he can change what takes place in your soul. And while we know, theologically, we invite Jesus into our life and he's there to stay, but I continually need to reaffirm that. Where I say, Lord, I just want to reaffirm today, I need you. I reaffirm today that I'm still a lost sinner and I still need you to change certain things in my life. And I want to encourage you to embrace God's media, his medium, Jesus. Let him change us because it shapes the way we read our world and it shapes the way we can live out the life of Jesus in our society. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to live out your life and be your light in our society, a world that sometimes feels so out of control. Father, rather than being swept up by the mania that sometimes happens, I pray, give us enough self-control so that we can listen to your guidance. And Father, that even in the instability of our world, that we can bring hope, that we can point people to you, and that we can have words that heal, not words that destroy. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together one more.